Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. We're in Colossians, and we've been in here since 1986. And uh, we're in the final chapter, chapter 4, beginning tonight, and we'll get through a few verses. But uh, we're going to walk through, actually, several pieces of Scripture for the next few minutes. So if you'll just kind of hold on with me, if you've got a regular Bible like Brian does, he's old school. Lick your fingers real good because we're going to be throwing pages around. And uh, so let's just get into it. Masters, give your, bond, give your bond servants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. If that, you know, if there are any of you here tonight that are employers, I want to encourage this, this verse is for you. This verse is for you to treat those who work for you justly, to be fair. I mean, isn't that the Christian thing to do? Remember, we're, we're over here now on the practical side of, of Colossians where the first couple of chapters, as, as I've told you before, it's, it's, a, it's a mirror, it and Ephesians in many ways. They call them the sister books. Um, some of them are word for word. Ephesians is six chapters. This one's four. The first two are all about your position in Christ. Really, Colossians uh, uh, emphasizes the supremacy of Christ over all things. Uh, uh, the, Ephesians more emphasizes the glory of the church. Um, but, but it talks about our position in him and who we are in him. And then these, the next two, the second half, is about how we walk this out, who we are and then how we live and what we do. And, and so Paul is just getting into some practical matters, how we treat one another and those of you that are employers. To, this, is, this is the word for you, to be just and fair, to do the right thing. And to, the fair just means to, to be equally good to all of those who work for you. Continue earnestly in prayer. I like this word continue. It means to adhere to to adhere to one, uh, to be devoted to or constant to one. This, be constant to prayer, be adhered to it, to steadfastly be attentive unto it, to give unremitting care to a thing. How many of you believe that he's saying that prayer is important to our, our lives? To continue all the time in a place, to persevere and to not faint, to not quit, not give up. Don't forget that your God in heaven is with you. He's on your side. And he wants to hear from you. He wants you to seek him. He wants you to, to, to not be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. I love that. And, and he promises that the peace of God is going to come, and it's going to be an umpire to you. It's going to guard you, and it's going to guide you. It's going to guard your heart and your mind. Amen. Um, uh, to be, I love this, this definition of, of continue, to be in constant readiness for one. To wait on constantly. You know, Heather and I, we covet your prayers and we thank you so much for your continued prayers for us and for, for this great ministry, for our church, and, uh, and, and as we pray for you too. When I read this definition, this, this part in this definition of continue, of constant readiness, someone who's waiting on constantly, ready, kind of calculating to pray, you know, um, th there are a few people that come to my mind that I, I know that are go-to people in my lives. Uh, my mom is the first one. She's the first one I think of whenever I come into a situation that is a bit overwhelming or, or a bit sudden, you know, and don't know what to do in that moment. Of course, I know to pray, but my mama really knows how to pray. And so I, I, mean, she's re I know she's always ready. I know she's, she's in it all the time. So I call, Mama, I need your help. I need you to be praying. My friend Stephen is another one I know that I can call. And, I mean, he's always asking, what can I pray for you about? What? Is there anything you need prayer for? And uh, I, just, I just thank God for that. For He's, he's one of those who stands ready. Um, uh, and anyway, I, I could probably go around this room tonight, but 
For the sake of time, I'm not going to. Um, but being always ready, being constant, being, being stuck to it, that that's, that's your go-to thing in, as a Christian, is that continual fellowship and communion with God. Continue earnestly in prayer. I love this, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Vigilant means to be watchful, to be awake in it with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, which means, in, in, as we've talked about this before, what is the point of giving thanks? It is to expect it to come to pass. That's the reason why he wants you to give thanks, because God wants you to know he answers your prayers. And thanksgiving obligates the giver. It obligates him, then, to grant you your request. So do it with, thanks, with thanksgiving. Being watchful over You know, just a, a simple thing to do, if you've got certain things that you're really needing you know, uh, God's help in, you're praying about these things, just write them down on a piece of paper or something. Put it on your mirror in your bathroom, on your refrigerator. You know, just list those things out. And every day you see something that you're going to see every day. You know, some place where you're going to walk by, you're gonna, you're gonna, eyes are going to look at it, and then just take a moment to say thank you for that. Just staying watchful and, and watching over your prayers. You know, it's easy to just say a prayer and just kind of forget. And, and there's a very good chance, more than likely, that the answer came and never really saw how, all things, how it all came together. And this is why it's saying, stay vigilant in it. Stay watchful. Stay awake in it. Keep that attitude of thanksgiving and expectation that when you pray, God hears you. Amen. I thank God. Thank God for his, his assurance that he gives us in this relationship that we have with him. Um, let's look at verse 3. Meanwhile, praying for us, also for us, that God would open to us a door for the word. Everybody say door for the word. That God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. Now, where, where's Paul writing this from? He's writing it from chains in a prison. Chained up in a prison. And I love that Paul's focus is not on us to get out of prison. His focus is on the word to get out of prison. That the door would be open for the word. For the word to get out. Because Paul understands that this, this is his first imprisonment, actually. This is, uh, as you know, Colossians is one of four of what's called the prison epistles. There's Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And those are all written right around the same time. Uh, around A.D. 61 to 64, somewhere. It's the best they can calculate at this time. And, uh, and he's asking the church to pray that God would open a door for the Word. He's taking every opportunity possible to get the Word of God out because he is on a mission from God. Um, and and he, I, I love that Paul's not sitting there in the chains. He's not twiddling his thumbs, waiting on God to do something. He's, he's saying, church, I need you to pray. We need you to pray. need you to pray. need your help in this. We need to seek God to get this door open. But I, what I love this, and I'm going to kind of go back to what I talked to you. What, what was the last Sunday I preached here? Whatever the last one was. And I, when we talked about the, the, the secrets of Shamgar, right? The, the three success secrets of Shamgar. And that one little verse out of Judges. And I see... That same thing here in what Paul is doing. Here he is in prison. He's in chains. But what does he do? He starts where he is. He starts where he is. He's in prison. Prison is the end, is it not? It's the end. It's supposed to be for many. Yeah, it's the end of one thing, sure, but it's definitely the beginning of another. I don't want you to remember this tonight, that he is the 
author and the finisher. He's not just the finisher. He, he's not just there at the end. He's, he's there to bring a new beginning at the end. And ends, things end, they begin, and then they begin again, and then they end, and then they begin again, and then they end. And when you've come to the end of something in your life, like a, a, a career or a job or a, a marriage, uh, a, a, an unexpected death in the family, uh, just unexpected things in life, um, I want you to, to look up at that moment as children of God to get ready to start something new, to start where you are. See, you have a high priest, and the Scripture says that Jesus Christ is a high priest, and this priesthood is according to the power of an endless life. What that means is there's more life. There's more life when it looks like there, this is the end. No, there's still more life. There, there's another start. There's a new beginning. There's another experience to have in him. And, and, and that means there's more life to live. It, it looks like a, a dead-end street, and it may look like you're facing some impenetrable wall right now. But let me just say, start looking for the door in that wall. Understand that there's, God has given you his word. And what does his word say? Ask, you will receive. Seek and you will find, knock, and the door will be open to you. There's a door somewhere. There is a door. Come on, tell somebody. There's a door. There's a door. It's not over. There's a door. Amen. So we're praying that God would open the door. Lord, open that door. You know, I can't see it, but I know you know exactly where it is. I know you see it. And, and, and you are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. I, I know it's not over yet. I know there's a way. Praise God. I was thinking about this, and I was, uh, I was on the airplane on the way here, and I, was, I just kind of got this vision of, of, of a person with keys in their hand, just kind of jingling in their hand, and then they picked out one key and saw it between their thumb and the index finger, and, and it was a key to start something. Jammed that key into the ignition and started turning that key. You know, tonight can be the starting place of something new for you. Tonight, just, just start something. Just start where you are. You're right here. Just start right here. Put that key of faith in. Faith is the access to all things of God. It is what makes all things possible. If you can believe, Jesus said, all things are possible. And start. Start that. And, you know, sometimes you've got to give it some gas. Sometimes you've got to. And what does that look like? Well, I know whom I've believed. And I am persuaded that he is able. That's when you get the word of God in your mouth and you start talking about how good your God is and how on your side he really is. And that he has not left you and he's not forsaken you. Therefore, you can boldly declare, God is my helper. I will not fear. I won't fear what man can do to me. I will not fear. Tonight's the start. And then Paul, I mean, he's, he's, he's like I said, he's in chains, he's in prison. What can he do? Well... He's going, to, he's going to do what he can. He's, he's going to use what he's got. Well, what do I have? Well, I've got a pen, and I've got some paper. I can start writing. If I can't go out somewhere, I can send a word out from here. Yeah. And, and Ephesians chapter 3, let's turn over there for just a moment. Ephesians chapter 3. Thank you, sweet love. We'll start in verse 1 and read a few verses here. Paul starts writing these letters, and then he has these guys that come visit him from time to time, come to, to encourage him and, and, and to continue to be taught by him, but he has messengers now. He can write these letters and get them in their hands. 
And Ephesians chapter 3, another prison epistle, verse 1 says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation I made known to you the mystery as I have briefly written already, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. He said, if I can't preach it to him, I'll write it to him. And then I'll pray that God will use that letter. Hey, listen, we're reading it today. We're, we've, this mystery is still coming to us today, right here in 2018. Isn't that extraordinary? Which in, uh, it looked like it was the end, but no, no, no. There was something new to start right there. And he says, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. That was the mystery, wasn't it? That the Gentiles should be heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. All right, that we are all going to be partakers. We are all now sons of Abraham by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's no longer just to one exclusive people group, not just to the natural born children of Abraham, not just to the people of God, but now his arms are open to all of us. And now this mystery came through the Apostle Paul and others that now the gospel is to all of us. Salvation is for all of us. And then he does what he can. Well, what can he do? Well, he can write some letters and he can talk. He can talk to as many people that, that will listen to him. Anybody and everybody that would come in there. As a matter of fact, Ephesians, or Philippians is even witness to this, which is another one of those prison epistles. Listen to this, Philippians 1, and I'll, I'll read verses 12 through 14. Yeah, I'll bear with Brooke. I didn't give her any of these scriptures. I'll, you know, as I usually don't. I'm sorry about that. Philippians 1, 12. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. How in the world did that happen? They tried to shut him up, get him in prison, and the gospel keeps going. As a matter of fact, it's gone further. The gospel keeps on moving. I love this. Verse 13. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Well, how did that happen? Because Paul won't shut up. Paul's telling anybody and everybody he can this good news, declaring this mystery to all who will listen so that they may hear it and believe it. Verse 14. <clears throat> And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident in my chains. Think about that. You'd think it would cause them to go, I ain't doing that. That puts you in prison. I'm not. No, they became confident in his chains because they saw Paul was not going to be beat. Just because he was chained up, that did not keep the joy from bubbling over. They did not keep him from opening his mouth and declaring this good news. They saw a man who was convinced that this is the real deal. He's not waiting for circumstances to work out all right. Everything's been made right in here, in Christ. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. And they gave, he said, that confident in my change and much more bold to speak the word without fear. And then he goes on to say, and I won't, I won't go into that, but go, Paul goes on to say, some have gained confidence through the wrong kind of means. Hoping to add more affliction to, to my chains. And so they're, they've, they've now, they're preaching. And then there are the, those who are they're supporting me and they're preaching. So what I'm seeing is that Christ is preached no matter what. This is a good thing. He could have got all bent out of shape at those guys who were taking advantage of the fact that he was in prison. But no, he saw the good in it. Christ is priest. I don't care if they're preaching it from fear, from envy, from strife, or if they're preaching it because uh, they have a good heart, they have a good attitude. Listen, Jesus is being preached. That's what I'm going to rejoice in. That's what I'm excited about. Oh, if we could have that kind of attitude. If we could, if we could look at the bigger picture. Amen. And, 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 and be convinced that this mystery must be revealed. This good news must go out, no matter what I'm feeling at this moment. To be able to put our feelings aside and remember who we are. 
and whose we are and what he's done for all mankind. But, but Paul also knows there are so many more that need to hear. And that's why he's saying pray. Pray that God will open the door for the word because I know this gospel is not to the few, it's to the world. He can do what he can, but he knows the message is for all people. Titus says this. You can write this down if you're taking notes. Titus 2.11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. He was eat up with this. He was eat up with it. No matter where he found himself, the few, the many, Paul was going to preach. That I may make it manifest, verse 4 of Colossians 4, that I may make it manifest, that is that mystery, Christ in you Gentiles, as I ought to speak, or that word ought is I'm behooved to do it. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16. Turn there, Brooke, if you would. And then, Brooke, you can also go to Acts 26, 14, <laughs> if you can remember all that. 1 Corinthians 9, 16. Listen to this. For if, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Paul says, I've got this thing burning on the inside of me, and I have to preach this. I have to preach this good news. I have to preach the word. What? Well, why is he saying that? What started all that? Well, Acts chapter 26. It's the, the account Paul is giving before King, King Agrippa, actually, of his testimony. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me, saying in Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads, verse 15. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting, verse 16. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. Next. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, verse 18 to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That was what behooved him. That is what moved him. That is what compelled Paul to say, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. Because there are people out there in darkness that need to be brought to the light. There are those who are under the power and the influence of Satan, and they need to be turned to God. There are those out there that need to hear that your sins are forgiven you so that they can receive that forgiveness, praise God, and that they can have an inheritance, that God has laid up for them an inheritance. Thank you, Lord, by faith. Now let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffered trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Now Paul is in a different place at this time. This is his second and last imprisonment before his execution. And he's come to the place where he realizes this is it. He's not praying. He's not praying to be delivered. He realizes he's come to the end, and, and he has done everything that he was called to do by God. And what he's saying is, 
There's nothing I can do here now. My time here is done. But Timothy, I need you to remember something. This word is never done. And you need to get this word in your mouth. And you need to keep the message going. And then you need to train other people to get this message in their mouth and keep this message going. And my family, they did it because we're doing it still today. And I thank God that the word of God is not changed. We're all here proof of it here tonight. 2,000 years later, we're still declaring this gospel. Thank God. And then lastly, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let's turn over there. And verse 6. This is his very last letter to Timothy. He says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Verse 7. I have fought. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have kept faith. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Verse 16 of that same chapter, he says, At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against him. So Paul is saying, I lost my, I lost my trial. I, mean, I, lost, I lost big time. Nobody that was with me showed up to speak on my defense. So it, it did not go well for me. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, listen to this, so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all Gentiles might hear. What he's saying is God gave me what he gave me, and I gave everything that he gave me. So now I can go. I've, I can say I've done it. Now I'm satisfied. Now I've, I've delivered this message, and now I've given it in such a thorough way that all Gentiles can hear this message and believe it. They can get the full counsel, the whole counsel of God here. Now it's been revealed. Isn't that wonderful news? Amen. I love that confidence. I love this champion going out in victory. He's not talking defeat at all. He says, listen, I win this deal. There's a crown laid up for me, and I'm going to get it. Jesus is going to put it on my head. I'm going on to greater things, praise God. And this is where the gospel has taken him. And in chapter 4 of Colossians, verses 5 and 6, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. I don't, it doesn't mean physically outside the building. It means, well, it kind of does. Those that are unbelievers. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. You know, time is, is precious. It's a precious, precious commodity. And the older you get, the more you realize just how little of it you have. And Paul says you can redeem that time by walking in wisdom to those who are on the outside. That is, our walk here, our, we are living this life. We, we are living a life that is a representative. We are living a life that is a light. And where we go, it's important that we walk in wisdom toward those who don't see it so that they can see this light as he talked about what Jesus told him, to bring those who are in darkness out of darkness, to turn those from the power of Satan to God. Let your speech, this is how you do it, let your speech always be with grace. Let your speech always be with grace. With grace. Let your speech, Lord, help us. Help me. Always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. That's, you know what that says? Grace is the answer. Grace is the answer. Grace is the answer for all. Everyone needs it. 
and God freely gives it to us. Not, not, they don't need it because they deserve it. They need it because that's what he wants them to have. They need it because what else do we have hope in? We can't hope in ourselves. We need grace. And so we let our speech be with grace, seasoned with salt. That is words that preserve, words that bring life. Amen. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to stop right there. Yeah, okay. So how we treat one another. Talks about how we treat one another, how we, how we walk and how we talk. These are just practical things. I mean, we're basically made up of and what the world sees is what we do, what we say. Hmm? How we act, the attitude that we have. Paul says, let this, let this grace just flow through your life. This is his power at work in you. And when, and when you decide, when you realize, you know what? In my weaknesses, strength is made perfect. I'm not perfect. As, as Brian was saying tonight, we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. What was God thinking in that? Hmm? But that tells us, how much he loves us and how much he can use us right where we are, even in this earthen vessel. And if we'll decide that we'll set our hearts and our, our lives to be people who are strong in grace. Hmm? Who are strong in grace. And remember, those on the outside, those that are out there that, that are in darkness, that are under the power of the devil, who has been disarmed, by the way. They need to be told that good news be brought out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So just pray. Pray that the door for the word would be open in your life. Let the door for the word be open in your life. Say, Lord, use me. Open the doors for me to be able to share a word, to bring life to someone, to, bring, to speak grace into someone's life and to see their life change. You know, it happens in the daily conversations. It just happens in the daily conversations. Father, thank you for this, for this word tonight. Thank you, Lord. For, for helping us to, to remember really how just involved in our everyday lives that you are. And we learn to, that we can be influential and we can do something right where we are right now. We don't have to wait to be at a certain place before we are effective, before we're significant. No, it starts right here, right now. And I thank you, Father God, for helping us all to be aware of that. And to, Lord, to remember to take these things before you, as your word says, that, that to, to trust in you with all of our heart and to lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you. That is all, always being in co communion with you and, and speaking to you and bringing our request to you, Lord, that you're the first thing. You're the first one that we go to, God. And we stay in this continual attitude and awareness of prayer and thanking you, God that you're with us and that you have provision for every need that we have. And to the Lord not get stuck when we come into a place when we're, when we're hindered, God, when we come against a roadblock in our lives, God, that we will not see this is the final thing. No, Lord, that we be people who would see, no, there's a new start. There's some new beginning here. And I thank you, Father God. In that, we hope because, God, you are the God of our hope. You are the anchor of our soul, this hope that we have in you. And it's sure and it's steadfast. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you for your blessing on your people tonight. Thank you, God, for great grace upon them, that grace and peace would be multiplied to them.
from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for this people. Lord, I thank you that in, in just the next couple of days, God, that you will, those doors would be open for the word to be released, for the word, God, to be spoken to someone out there who so desperately needs it. As Brother John Osteen used to say, sighing, crying, dying humanity is waiting to hear this gospel, is waiting to hear this good news, is waiting to know the love and the grace of God and that they are forgiven and that there is life in him, real life. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you in Jesus' name. Before we leave here tonight, if you're here tonight and you're struggling with any kind of physical ailment in your body, I want you to just raise your hand where you are. I want to pray for you. All right, or you want to stand in for somebody, you have somebody on your mind, you know they're suffering, I, just raise your hand. Father, I thank you right now. Lord, these are, have their hands raised, whether it's them personally or somebody they're believing for. Lord, we thank you right now. You sent your word, and you healed them, and you delivered them from their destruction. We declare life and that more abundantly in Jesus' name, that the healing power of God would, would invade these bodies, and it would remove every form of sickness and dis-ease and infirmity in Jesus' name and pain. We thank you for it. Lord, you laid down your life. You bore stripes, and by your stripes they are healed. And we declare it so. We believe you for it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God. Let's stand together tonight. Thank you for being here. I love you very much. See you Sunday morning. It's August. Y'all ready for cooler weather? Pray that a door would open from the north and begin to <laughs> blow cold air here. I will say that we did suffer out there in France a little bit, out there on the beach, 75 degrees, I think. We were thinking about all y'all. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Let's lift our hands to heaven. And thank you, Lord. May this word now settle in our hearts. Build us, encourage us, and equip us for this life that we live on this earth for your glory. Thank you that your people go forth, God, in the blessing of God. The favor of God surrounds them as with a shield. No weapon formed against them will prosper. Every tongue that rises against them in judgment, they will condemn. No evil shall befall them and no plague shall come near their dwelling. You are with them. You're a very present help in times of trouble, in time of need, and we thank you for that. Lord, I thank you that they go in grace and that they grow in grace. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.